Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. A confirmed attack is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies and cover-ups. And to the paranormal we go. Come with us as we bunker down the rabbit hole tonight, somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. I get the sense that even though it's 2024, we're still in a a dire situation uh, with uh, the world. Everything's on the table from pandemic to war, crime, economic and societal uh, collapse, Still some supply chain disruptions out there. Certainly not what it was like during the pandemic. Food shortages as well. Tainted water. The list goes on and on. There remains so much that is uncertain here as the uh, calendar year turns over just a couple of days into 2024. Perhaps uh, now might be the time that you or someone you know decides... Uh, it's it's time to relocate, uh, perhaps somewhere off the grid, maybe somewhere that's darker and uh, deeper within the earth, maybe a bunker, someplace uh, capable of surviving an attack. And that attack could be a variety of different scenarios from EMP to nuclear, and uh, the list goes on. You know, we've done these programs about the what-if Many, many times, uh, we've never had Standeo on the program, so this will be a treat here tonight. But recently, I have been hearing about billionaires. These are obviously individuals who are well-off and have the kind of money to spend on a bunker. Reports are that several of them are in the process of building bunkers as we speak 
and there's all sorts of conspiracy theories that are that are then spreading across social media because of that. Question is, what are they preparing for? Is there something that's not readily no, uh, knowledgeable uh, or knowing uh, right on the surface that 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 we're aware of? Of course, certainly all the things that we've discussed, the what ifs, the possibilities on this program. You know they're going to come rear their heads again throughout our conversation this evening. But again, what are they preparing for? In the case of uh, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, he has been building an underground bunker on an island in Hawaii. It's said to be worth around two hundred seventy million (laughs) dollars. This thing is massive. This isn't just your uh, ordinary bunker, I would say. 570, or excuse me, 57,000 square feet. That's roughly the size of a football field. And has more than a dozen buildings, at least 30 bedrooms, 30 bathrooms, multiple elevators, offices, conference rooms, an industrial-sized kitchen, full-size gym, pools, a sauna, hot tub, cold plunge, and tennis court, and tree houses with intricate rope bridges to uh, travel between bunkers. Of course, it is uh, underground. It will include its own energy and food supplies. It appears to have a blast-resistant door, at, according to an investigation by Wired. That's uh, Mark Zuckerberg's place, underground Somewhere out in Hawaii, $270 million. Again, something the size of a football field. Uh, Much larger uh, in the overall scheme of things than most single-family homes, uh, apartments, condos, whatever the case happens to be. A lot of structures, though, within. Uh, Interesting to see uh, if there are any pictures. I know that there's been some uh, secrecy uh, agreements that have... Uh, had to be signed from you know those who are coming in to do the construction and whatnot, but maybe soon we'll get a picture of what that thing lo- looks like. Also, a former army base in the Black Hills Mountains range of South Dakota is now home to a bunker community that can reportedly house up to ten thousand people. Uh, you're talking about living uh, in in small groups. This is this is not a small group. You're all uh, basically in close quarter. Uh, almost on, on top of each other. The bunker's made of concrete and steel. All you need is a down payment of $55,000 and rent of $1,000 per year. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, not everyone can afford uh, a bunker, so others are taking more economical steps, like uh, doing uh, things around their home, maybe putting items in their car, packing uh, bug-out bags, that sort of thing. And there certainly is uh, some indication that that is the case of late. Young adults in America appear to be the new generation of preppers, according to a poll from Finder.com. 39% of millennials and 40% of Gen Zers have spent money on disaster prepping in the past year. Again, are they on the same wavelength with uh, these 
billionaires building these bunkers. A third of Americans in general say that they are doomsday preppers. $11 billion was spent on survival items in just one year between 2022 and 2023. And uh, it is an evolving industry said to be uh, valued at $2.46 billion uh, prepping. You know, what was labeled conspiracy theories when I first started uh, listening to these kinds of programs over the radio late at night, oh, that was something that the tinfoil uh, hat crowd is involved in. Well, now, slowly but surely, the, the tinfoil hats have come off, and people are really honestly worried about what's to come. I mean, this year there's an election and uh, people's heartbeat is moving uh, as November approaches. uh, There's going to be uh, some decisions that individuals are going to make uh, wondering. I mean, you heard the guest on the program last night, in fact, say we are not going to get to November. There is not going to be an election. And so to think about that in relationship to what we're discussing tonight, I mean, are these individuals who are maybe going to extreme measures in some people's minds onto something? Is is there something coming? Will we get to the election? That is uh, certainly one of the uh, driving factors that is encouraging individuals to take these measures. Of course, the pandemic is another one of those uh, situations that, uh, and, and the war, and as I mentioned, the crime, uh, you know, the murders, the, the organized crime, the, just the, the collapse of society, the collapse of the economy. I mean, some people have just f- flat out had enough. Because, you know, there's growing uncertainty on a variety of fronts. And now individuals are going to have to think for themselves. Are you determined enough to outlast outlast your fellow man and woman? If so, are you going to get serious about emergency preparedness? Because the elites, they're acquiring bunkers in which to survive the apocalypse. The younger generation is spending money maybe that they don't necessarily have or uh, can afford to spend on survival gear. Tonight we talked to someone who has, well, really lived quite uh, an interesting life, I would say, after reading his bio. Stan Deo has uh, held above-top-secret security clearance and worked undercover for the FBI. He was part of an exclusive black project headed by Dr. Edward Teller, specializing in the development of flying saucer technology. Stan trained in computer programming, systems analysis, and operations at IBM. His main love is advanced propulsion and free energy research. He's had an NDE, met with Hopi elders, visited restricted access, and shared knowledge with our military on earthquake prediction and the probability of meteors impacting Earth. He and his wife Holly have been preaching about disaster preparedness for, well, probably more than 40 years, I would imagine, at this point. And uh, those days seem closer than ever, don't they, Stan? And by the way, welcome to the program. Good to be here, Jeremy. Um, yeah, we've we've been working on it. Actually, Holly started writing 
uh, collect information on emergency prepare, uh, preparedness and, you know, for like tornadoes and storms when she was living with her parents as a teenager. And uh, they had a crawl space over the house where they stored various things, you know, in case of a disaster. But that was what uh, made her want to write a book about it eventually when we got together. And, uh, and then since, what has it been now, about oh, 1998, 1995, we started working on this project together. And she wrote a book, uh, did a lot of research, and did uh, 632 pages finally in this book called Dare to Prepare. And she got government departments, uh, you know, to send her documents and things. Uh, one thing I remember she was very proud of was a uh, survival in a nuclear uh, war situation, how you shelter in place. And uh, they, she found a, a copy in one office of the government somewhere, an old copy from the 50s, from the duck and cover days of the Cold War. And uh, it, they allowed us to reprint it all in her book, showing how to use various things around your home. Uh, to build a uh, kind of a cubby in the house and what materials to use to do it with to get the best protection from radiation if the fallout cloud from a nuclear bomb, of course, falls on you. And it was quite an involved thing, but uh, we were fortunate to be able to find that uh, because it was definitely uh, non-handled by uh, people who would have a, a drum to beat. It was just uh, a department of the government that was truly trying to help its people survive. There's so many things. I mean, she's got like in that book some 60-odd uh, uh, chapters, I think 69 chapters. And uh, as I say, it's it's worth the, the effort to go to our website, standio.com, and uh, get a copy of that book. We have plenty of uh, copies in store. We just reprinted. Um, and it's it'll tell you so many more things other than nuclear preparation. It'll go into things like what kind of foods uh, to get to store, where to get them, how long they'll last, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we'll probably talk about some of that uh, later uh, in the show, Jeremy. But uh, yeah, we've been together quite a while. We were introduced by uh, Art Bell's show uh, when I was living in Australia and she was living here in Colorado. And um, on one of his shows I was doing, I've probably did 30 shows or so with him. I mentioned uh, earthquakes and uh, you know how I use the USGS to forecast earthquakes with some of the uh, data from the naval uh, facility at uh, Finmock in uh, Monterey, California, and it um, it caught her attention. She was listening to it at night, and we got to end there. It's a story that will continue with my guest Stan Deo as we're just getting underway across the USA. I'm Jeremy Scott. More to come. Yeah, there is uh, something about connecting with uh, others through the power of the radio. I've done it many late nights myself uh, while traveling and uh, also while just uh, kind of sitting there uh, looking at the stars. Talking with Stan Deo tonight. Uh, Stan was telling us uh, how he met his wife, uh, Holly, uh, through the power of the radio, actually listening to Art Bell. Uh, and here you were talking about all this wild and crazy stuff in the middle of the night, and she loved it. Yeah, she did, and uh, she wrote me the next day about uh, 
could, I, could she get information about earthquake uh, zones and, and fault lines and forecasts in Colorado where she lived? And I answered her with, along with, oh gosh, there were several hundred emails I got. And uh, for some reason or another, she kept writing me, uh, asking questions, and uh, we became acquainted over the internet uh, across the planet. <laughs> and uh, eventually we, uh, we got together, got married, and she moved down to Australia for a few years. And then we both uh, sold our farm and uh, came back up here to Colorado, where we've uh, been since then. But um, yeah, it, it, was, it was an interesting time. Oh, Art Bell, um, he's a good friend. Yeah, rest in peace as well. Uh, so, Stan, uh, talk about uh, why do you think uh, that these billionaires that we hear, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and others, uh, are in a situation now where they're uh, they're pulling the trigger and they're you know buying up this land and they're building uh, a bunker, seemingly uh, something that can resist um, a different you know, many different kinds of attacks from, uh, you know, maybe nuclear weapons to uh, EMP and, and whatnot. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Look, um, for the average person going to some other country and trying to survive there, uh, you, you know, it, it's going to be problematic. I mean, having lived out of the country for 30 years myself, I know that even in the best circumstances, like Australia speaks English and whatever, um, the you become fair game to the locals, and if America is destroyed by whatever means war, solar, coronal mass ejection, or whatever, and you're left alone outside the country, they look at you as fair game. They look at Americans down the street. They say, "Ah, American, you must be rich. Uh, you must work for the CIA. You know all that kind of nonsense you you get when you're you're down there." And so so planning to leave the country and go somewhere else as an average person you're going to it's going to be problematic for you for a wealthy person these billionaires they're going to build out of the country they're going to build under the ground they're going to try to build to um, house themselves and their support personnel and uh, food and energy water that kind of things now some of them have done it here in the united states and they may be uh, deep enough and protected enough to uh, weather what's coming here uh but America is going to be problematic to survive in. You, you, um, you know, we've written a lot of things about this, talked about Holly's written her book, the, the Dare to Prepare book. I've written in the Cause of Conspiracy about these things. And with what's coming, you might be reduced to what you can carry on your back. You may not be able to keep your home or your cabin out in the woods because of inventions by uh, Chinese and Russian Iranian troops, and, and of course, the illegal migration of some, what, um, 20 million people, something like that. I think that they have that figure. So, yeah. What do I think about it? I, I wish I could leave the planet. <laughs> and as a Christian, I, I, uh, I support the rapture theory or hypothesis from the Bible. But um, save that, there's just no place for you to go except where you are. And to be able to be somewhat mobile on foot, uh, we we've discussed these things. She's put it in her book too uh, about the um, using travois and uh, you know dehydrated foods and that kind of stuff. And we'll have more of that with Stan Deo, uh, the disasters to come, and how we can survive it tonight. 
Bunker down the rabbit hole tonight with us on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. This is Paranormal News. Members of Congress will take part in a classified UFO briefing next week. The House Oversight Committee is scheduled to meet with the nation's top spy chief on Tuesday. The briefing comes following a letter from committee members to the Office of Inspector General of the Intelligence Community requesting details on any programs to reverse engineer or retrieve crashed UFOs. It's the first major development of the year and comes as lawmakers from both parties are calling for great Greater transparency on unidentified anomalous phenomena. A fight is taking place behind the walls of Congress on what the government should release after some provisions of the UAP Disclosure Act were stripped from the final bill that was passed late last year. George Henry, Paranormal News. economic collapse, meteor impacts, solar fires. There's going to be a third world war. The Facebook founder is creating a compound which features a doomsday bunker. He's creating this compound in Hawaii. Since COVID and the wars in Ukraine and Israel, the bunkers are in even higher demand. More dark days to come for so many people who've lost everything. So this is the bunker. This is it. Is there intelligent life out there? Well, they'd probably be listening to this show. You're in good company. Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Our guest tonight is Stan Deo. Website standeo, D-E-Y-O.com. Links as well, paranormalradio.com. Uh, in case you miss any of that, you're driving, you can't write it down, just know you can always get those at our website, paranormalradio.com. Uh, talking with Stan about uh, what really sounds like uh, fend for yourself, as they say. Uh, there's really nowhere to go, uh, so what you have to shore up your own surroundings and uh, don't trust anybody else. Is that overstating it? No. It's not. Uh, I, I heard you uh, just uh, before the break there talking about the EMP shield. Uh, you do know that uh, myself and my partner, Tim Carty, uh, invented that. Absolutely. Um, that's, we, we started it here at the house uh, a few years back, and um, now we have about 49 employees, a couple of factories, and we're um, you know, approved to have a chip factory uh, build chips that are iridium chips to replace what we used to get in Taiwan. Anyway, uh, what we're telling you um, in our EMP Shield company is that you need to protect things like radio, satellite radios, shortwave radios, uh, computers maybe, uh, freezers if you've got a local power or you know auxiliary power, alternative power like solar panels and wind and that kind of stuff. During um, a crisis here on the United States, on the planet for that matter, and... Um, you need these things to, you know, to hopefully get through what is coming. But there's, um, you have to realize that you may have to lo- uh, move from your comfortable home or, you know, some country house that you built or whatever. 
um, you, you, because we're going to have invasion troops here eventually in this country. We're going to have attacks on about 120 major cities by nuclear weapons. We know this. So what we've tried to do at our company is uh, develop, invent, and develop and patent um, methods to protect our nuclear reactors, various uh, military and naval bases, um, our our power grids. Now, we can't protect all of them because they're privately owned or corporately owned. And uh, But we, we do make these things available to power companies that can actually fit on your smart meters and stuff to protect your whole home so that when an EMP occurs from the sun, electromagnetic pulse, or from a nuclear war, both are very possible right now because the sun is very irregular right now then. Right. Um, if you get a nuclear blast and it generates an electromagnetic pulse that can fry your electronics and kill your refrigerator and freezer, that kind of stuff, that lasts about a millionth of a second. Our device senses within a half a trillionth of a second that something's wrong. There's been an EMP pulse from either the sun or a nuclear blast. So it then shunts you know, or directs all of that high-voltage electricity that comes on your house down into the ground through your ground rods. To, to direct it away from your electronics so it doesn't fry them because electronics have circuits. Right. And you can short them out. Now, if we get an EMP pulse from the sun, surviving that's going to be uh, more interesting because it can last for hours like it did in 1859 in the Carrington event. And it produces such a high-voltage, high-current pulse on our power lines coming to our homes that if you don't have an EMP shield type device to take all that high voltage into the ground instead of into your house, it can start a fire in your wall. It's your circuit breaker and perhaps other places in the house instantly. Mm -hmm. So this is another reason that we say, even if you don't want to save your device, you might want to save your house. Get one of these things, put it on so you can shield your house from the fireball that's going to occur if it's a solar one. Because it's the solar one is nastier and you know much more powerful than the nuclear ones from bombs. Uh, there's so many things, as you know, Jeremy, to, to prepare. You know that you can do to prepare that you never can prepare enough. Nobody can afford to prepare for every eventuality. So what Holly said in her book and what we say on air is start preparing a little bit every day, even now. If you if you're late in the game, don't panic. But get priority items, which are like water, food, shelter, medicines, and gradually take it out of your budget and put these things away in your home or your apartment. Uh, these things, she's covered so many of them, that Dare to Prepare book. We've sat down and we've talked and she's put it in her book. She's researched what things you're faced with when a crisis hits, a war, a solar event, whatever, earthquake, tornado, all this is covered. And, you know, there's so many things that are that are challenging the United States now that, that are a threat potentially that you need to at least be aware of, of what these are and what will happen and, and how much mobility you won't have as far as going down the road. Roads are going to be chocker block with people, cars, and cars that have stalled, nobody there to take them off the road. Uh, power lines are going to be down or power supplies are going to be down. Um, God forbid We've, there's not going to be any internet. What will we do? <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, Lord, and no, no, We're uh, no, lattes. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. See, what we've done here with our personal thing is we've moved to a small town, which is uh, near farms 
and you know which have animals and and vegetables and stuff that uh, you can barter with stuff that you collected yourself to get the food uh, from them. Um, people in big cities uh, are going to have a, a problem because they're dependent on trucks bringing all this stuff into the grocery stores, and there's going to be gangs and rioting and stuff if this gets bad. So it's the smaller towns in the country, you know, the flyover areas that are probably going to be the best places to live. Uh, maybe along with that, uh, rationing at one point if it gets to that level. Well, true. Uh, rationing is going to be kind of self-regulating. Um, right. Yeah. If If this crisis happens and we still have a government kind of somewhat in charge of the country before martial law hits, they're probably going to announce um, if your neighbor has been a prepper, you know, and put all this stuff away. He's hoarding food that you could have. So report him, and we'll give you, say, 10% of his stuff to you. Yeah, it'll go so to the gonna, community pantry. Right, right. It's a socialist, communist thing they're going to put out there, rat on your neighbor, and you get part of it. So you got to be a little bit wise and quiet about what you're doing. People like Holly and I that talk about it all the time, and you, um, we're probably targets. People will know that we do this kind of stuff. But for people that are smart, out there prepare quietly and uh, don't tell anybody about it yeah i mean it's the rules of fight club at play here yeah yeah definitely <laughs> oh, just don't Lord. talk about it <laughs> well yeah uh, that's it um yeah as i said just a few minutes ago it, it's just hard to prepare for every eventuality you do a little bit of preparation the best you can and hope for the best yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that people that now it seems that, that people are, are taking this stuff seriously again? Do you think a large part of it is because we, we've lived through a once in a lifetime pandemic? I mean, uh, does that have anything to do with it? Oh, I'm sure you're right there. That's the first thing they got everybody uh, awake, you know, attending the, the government moves and the environmental moves. Uh, goodness, here's something's going to kill us. Uh, it's changed our whole style of life, our whole economy. And so they got their attention. And uh, so a lot more and more looking, um, those that are smart and realize they have to learn from you know, the past. Um, but now that we're faced with, on the news, uh, a threat of nuclear war over the Middle East, people are starting to, I mean, we're getting calls and letters and stuff that we haven't had in a long time, the volume of them. Well, how do we prepare for this? What do we do? Where do we go? Um, well, you if know, you haven't started we- now, uh, you're not screwed, but you're at a severe detriment. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, look, you can't even buy ammunition these days. The, the government buys so much of the ammunition from the common rifles that even if you have the rifles and you haven't bought ammunition, you're going to find it hard to, to get it. And I don't want to depress people and say there's no no hope for you, but let's say that it would have been better if you started preparing before, you know, the crisis that we have with the economy and with uh, supplying our weapons to other countries before that hit. But we're we're probably... We're going to see in 2024 a, a nuclear war or at least an exchange in the Middle East that, and possibly here, but it will threaten us heavily. People will panic, and there'll be panic buying of toilet paper and food and all that kind of stuff, and, and those that can get weapons and ammunition for sure. Uh, I'm sure you've sat down in your quiet moments with your friends and talked about this, and you think, boy, we're glad that we've started preparing some time back because it's going to be a nightmare to find the stuff you want or need. Um, 
you know, I, it, I, I spent some time a, a few weeks over in Tanzania in North Africa a couple of years back, and I visited with the Maasai and the, the Toga and uh, the uh, Kalahari Bushmen to see how they live. You know, how do they wipe their backside when they go out to take a BM? And how do they get food every day for their, their family? Um, how do they use and make these little crude bows and arrows? I mean, I went down to see how these people get along because we may be faced with that ourselves one day. Yeah, it is uh, certainly a, a possibility. Other factors, uh, and this is an election year, so maybe people are a little bit on edge about that, perhaps. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wonder if we're going to make it, to, like you've mentioned, if we're going to make it to the elections in uh, November. And in, in, if a guy like Trump wins, to hopefully be able to try to slow down but not totally fix what the, the Biden administration has done, um, we've got to then make it till January to when uh, Trump uh, takes office and can do something. So we've got nearly a year ahead of us. Uh, and before we can even hope, that, you know, politically, constitutionally, to have a government that will work for us, even if we get to elected. So basically, uh, people are realizing this. They're yeah, I get that the we, sense. I get the sense when I hear Mark Zuckerberg's building this massive underground bunker, and I hear my guest, who is a remote viewer, say, uh, "You know, we're not even going to get to the election." Uh, it makes me more than just wonder what's up here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and I are fortunate in that we're we're uh, digging into the news and talking with people behind the cameras all the time. And um, so it's our duty to share this with people, even though it might be scary. Um, right. You know, you don't want to put your head in the sand. You don't want to be an ostrich. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so... What are some of the things that you recommend, practical things that individuals can do, uh, at least to get started with, uh, to help them uh, at least uh, prepare in the capacity that they can at this point in time? Oh, yeah, that's a big question, isn't it? Okay. Um, well, some things are, uh, are fairly easy, like water, fresh water is going to be at a premium. But you can start collecting these two-liter um, Coca-Cola or soft drink plastic bottles. Those, they're made of the right kind of, of uh, plastic, so it won't put anything into your water. It's harm, harmful for you to drink. Get these bottles, and um, I think you can uh, just go to some place that collects bottles and get the, the use them and clean them out. But fill them up with um, tap water. We do have a formula in the book there, the Dare to Prepare book, about how many drops of chlorine to use and how many liters of water to purify it. Get, start collecting those and, and taking water out of your tap and put it into it for the time being. Uh, get um, a, a water purifier that's portable, like the, the Berkey. Um, you know, uh, Jim has made a couple of products out there. He's just a neighbor across the mountains there. Um, we have several of his units and filters so that we can filter out darn near 99.9% of everything harmful in even muddy water. Um, so you got water, filtering the water, storage of the water. So anything that you can get to store water, store as many gallons as you can. Uh, 
55 gallon drums that are clean that hadn't had toxic chemicals in them things like that yeah and we got to hold that thought with the standale but we'll pick it up after the break i'm jeremy scott somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal we'll be right back into the paranormal I'm Jeremy Scott into the paranormal. If you're going to survive what is to come, uh, clean water is certainly a uh, very, very good start. I know that's a uh, something in my household that we take uh, very, very seriously. And you also have to make sure that you uh, change that out because uh, it, that will go bad, right, Stan? Um, it can, but that's why we have a, a section in, in the book there, uh, Dare to Prepare, about how many drops of chlorine uh, to use and what kind of chlorine to use without the suds in it, the soap right. or stuff, so that you kill the bacteria in it. Um, but yes, you do need to, uh, at the, with the old water, either boil it uh, or put some chlorine in it and uh, shake it up and let it kill the bad things in it. I mean, you know, you, you have to know also in whatever area you live if you're in coastal areas can you get salt water and can you uh, use sun to uh, distill it and have distilled salt water uh, you know so that you don't have the salt in it and things like that just seawater that's evaporated and condensed there are some excuse me simple ways to do that fairly simple um even the australian aborigines we talk about that uh, they hang a little plastic bag on uh, the uh, a branch of a little tree or bush out in the desert and um, overnight, it, that bush will uh, aspire and will evaporate water, and then it will condense on that bush limb and go down into this clear plastic bag. So you can get it from plants overnight. I mean, water is the important uh, food source for you because you can't go more than 72 to maybe 100 hours total um, without water. You will dehydrate, die, and everything will stop working, and, and you're gone. So uh, water is primary course air breathable areas but water is the first food source that you have to put at high priority next then look at foods that you eat foods that can be stored foods that can be carried on your back if you have to go you know by foot somewhere so you look at priorities uh, biological priorities and then various other things come into play like psychology of your neighbors and how much to tell them and whether to store extra food uh, dehydrate stuff for your neighbors without telling them so that you can keep them from coming and knocking over the head if you give them some, you know. Um, yeah. You know, this is this is depressing talk uh, for everyone that's hearing it and everyone involved in it. But we have in our household the, the good news, you know, the Bible and uh, Christ is in charge of all this. And that it's important for you to know that and to be saved out of this. And there is a promise for that. Uh, I, I translated that from the Greek here a couple years back. And it says about Babylon, the modern Babylon, which we think is American, Great Britain, but it says to Babylon, uh, to uh, Jesus' people, he says, come out, come out of her, my people. Be not partakers of her sins or her judgments. And a lot of people thought that meant leave America. Well, it doesn't. It, if you listen to what it said, he says, come, and in the, in the Greek it's come up, out of Babylon to me, saying, come up, don't leave, come up. And so this is the good news. And uh, 
I do encourage uh, people to uh, visit our site, and um, I have it in the Cosmic Conspiracy, and we have a mention of it in the Derek Prepare book about the need to have yourself on board with the true uh, king and, and ruler of this planet that's going to put everything right here in the near future. So that's the most important thing. You are going to die at some point or be raptured up. But if you're going to die, you want to be sure that your soul, which does live on, goes to a happy place. And uh, that's what all my ministry is about, is letting people know there's a safe way to go through this or avoid it. Um, other than that, then we're talking with you about physical things you can do uh, to prepare yourself and your family and friends um, and those people that you know that may not be caught up in the rapture and be, be caught up and delivered from this time. Um, yeah. You know, we were invited, Holly and I, to visit with the Hopi at the Shangopi Reservation a few years back. And they told us that there's a civil war coming in the United States. And, and then there's going to be an invasion by China, Russia, and one Middle Eastern nation that will virtually destroy most of the United States. And after they invade us on the ground and by the air, they will leave. And there will be a new nation of man start in the Rockies here in the Four Corners and just north of that, where all of the people, the Sioux, the Cherokee, the, the Hopi, all that, Navajo, will gather together with survival groups from the rest of America who will come together there to form a nation again. Um, much like Washington's dream vision at Valley Forge showed him. All right, what an hour with Stan Deo, and we will continue our conversation after the news break across the USA on many of these affiliates. So stick with us. I'm Jeremy Scott. There's another hour of Into the Paranormal coming up. Hold on to your seats. This day and age, I'm Jeremy Scott across the USA, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. By the way, our sale at the uh, the shop, the store, is uh, going on through the 15th. So we've got another uh, 12 days or so through the 15th this month. Paranormalradio.com slash shop. And uh, we'll see you at the Oregon Ghost Conference March 22nd through the 24th in Seaside, Oregon. Get your tickets uh, and details, uh, which are coming soon, I'm told, at OregonGhostConference.com. It'll be fun to kick off our 2024 road show. Uh, speaking with uh, Stan Deo tonight, who is uh, the co-founder of EMP Shield, you can go to ParabnormalRadio.com slash EMP. That's ParabnormalRadio.com slash EMP, a proud supporter of this program. 
and uh, you can get your $50 off the EMP shield there. You never know when you're going to need it, and it works for the car as well as uh, a residence. Uh, you were talking uh, before the break about the Hopis and the warnings that they gave you, Stan. Uh, didn't sound uh, very promising, a talk of invasion and uh, a wipeout of sorts. Yeah, Jeremy. Um, as I say, Holly and I were invited down there to be their guests a couple of times. The first time was 1996. And uh, we um, we rented a car uh, and uh, drove out there about 100 miles from uh, uh, whatever the main city there is in Arizona. Um, anyway, uh, we, we drove out there and um, uh, met with the prophecy keeper. Uh, the uh, guy's name was uh, Moa, M-O-W-A. He was an elderly man, and uh, his son, Augustine Moa, invited us into their home, and also with a lot of members of the their tribe, the Shingopavi tribe on Second Mesa, to hear his father um, discuss with them things that he kept secret until this time when we arrived. Uh, it was prophecy. And he spoke for maybe 20 minutes in the Hopi language while Holly and I sat there wondering what the heck he was talking about. And um, all around the room were these young couples uh, and young men and women of uh, the Hopi uh, Shungopavi tribe. And after he finished talking, he went silent. So I turned to his son and I said, well, what did he say? He says, oh, he's glad you came. I said, 20 minutes worth of that's not it. What, what else did he say? He said, well, he was revealing prophecy of things that it's now time to tell our people about what is to come. And um, one thing he did mention, uh, the the boy was telling me, he said, is that you are the fifth of eight messengers that will be sent to the Hopi in this last days of this age, uh, the fourth world. And he said, um, that's about all I can tell you because you don't have you know, your tribal name here and can't know these secrets. So we had even shook and whatever, and uh, eventually uh, the boy took me over to the edge of the mesa there uh, to meet with um, the uh, the real super-duper, you know, running of the tribe guy there. And he was meeting with a guy from Washington, from the Congress, trying to get uh, the Congress, trying to get more stuff out of the the rights uh, for minerals and stuff from the Hopi, and I was embarrassed to hear that. But anyway, while I was waiting outside to see him, his secretary, a guy, um, stood there with me in the sunshine, the dust, and the desert. And Holly stood off our right, maybe six or seven feet. And um, I said to him, you know, look, uh, we heard that there's, you know, things coming, uh, prophecy and stuff. Can you tell me some of it? I mean, like, is it like Nostradamus type stuff? Do you, do you know what that's about? And he says, hey, what do you think I am, a dumb Indian? I went to college. I under, understand all of this. And I said, oh, yeah, sorry. And um, and we were talking, and uh, um, I had my sunglasses on. I remember from dealing with the aboriginals in Australia that uh, to hide your eyes is not good. So I took my glasses off and put them in my pocket to go eye to eye with him. And um, the sun was shining uh, behind him and into my face, which made it difficult without the sunglasses. But I uh, I knelt down on one knee for a bit there and doodled right between us, uh, kind of with a stick, and I drew a spiral thing just out of, you know, something to do. And eventually I stood back up while we were talking and squinted a bit. And uh, 
I said, um, okay, um, well, I wish we did have our travel name, second name, whatever, so you could tell us the things that are coming that, that we're allowed to hear, but um, maybe someday we can do that. And as I said that, this um, dust devil, a willy-willy, they call him Australia, of air started swirling with us right in the center of it. And it uh, it threw sand and dirt and stuff in our eyes where, you know, you're blinking trying to keep it where you can see. And neither one of us wanted to cover our eyes, you know, and look like a chicken. But we're standing there with all this happening. And he he uh, had seen me draw this spiral between our feet. And I reached over with my foot and I wiped out the spiral. And as soon as I did, that second, this willy willy, this dust devil, disappeared, blew away. And he took it as a sign. He said to me, however, now I can tell you a few things. And it was something magical to him, apparently, what happened between us there. And uh, he told me then about uh, a coming civil war in the United States. Um, mm. that, is that again? Yes. Yes, he did. Okay. Okay. And um, he um, he said it's going to be between multifaceted uh, disagreements, uh, black against white, uh, tan against black, white, uh, Jew against uh, uh, Christian against uh, Islam, uh, rich against poor. He said it's going to have so many sides to it. There'll be pure chaos, everybody at, at their throat. And I said, well, you know, when is this going to happen? He said, soon. And uh, Holly and I we were talking to him in 1996. And I said, soon. How long is that? And he said, well, soon. It's hopey soon. And so now it's happening. But at that time in 96, there was not any hint of this going to happen. Um, and he said, they will, they will invade this country and they will destroy many of the major cities. They will have troops land and they will be in the United States for a short while. And then suddenly Chinese, Russian, Iranians, all of them will leave the country. They will just leave it alone, go away. And at that time, then the people, the Sioux, the Navajo, the Cherokee, all of us, plus some survivors from that time, will go up into the four corners and, and make the new nation of man. It will be difficult. Our young people will have disagreements and fights about philosophy and whatever. But he said that will happen. Now, that that um, is logical because with the Middle East crisis like it is, America is considered to be the big Satan and Israel the little Satan big uh, Satan, because we supply all the, the backing of weapons and ammunition and troops to back Israel to protect her, which I, I support. But now, they, the Russians and the Chinese and the Iranians, they all know they start a conflict to try to overthrow Jerusalem to, to take Israel by force. They have to deal with the United States and its weapons. And so the logical thing for them is to, to uh, make us uh, not a nation anymore, to, to tear us down, to bankrupt us, to, uh, you know, uh, to uh, cause people to lose faith in the United States. And that way they can have the United States out of the way. They can destroy it so it can't back up Israel, and then they can attack Israel, you know. And there are two times in the Bible where it says big attacks are going to come on Israel. One is the Psalm 83 attack, which is occurring now, and next is the Gog-Magog war, which will occur a few years later. Um, now, this means I'm pretty certain that this, this civil war that we're going to have is going to uh, tear the nation apart. Um, we won't be able to support our troops overseas and our, our allies that need weapons. Jared Kushner, who is a son-in-law for uh, Donald Trump, 
is um, a very, very bright young man. And on my show images page, which I, I think I gave you a link to that, um, on that show images page, I talk about a young Jared Kushner and a link to a video about him because he um, he is forming a, a, a new world order with Mohammed bin Salman in the Middle East, the young prince of Saudi Arabia. Between them, they have been looking at ways to finance new ventures in Israel and the Middle East with the funds that they've been collecting from various countries that have been investing in their, their development fund. And they have, uh, well, like Jared Kushner has control of $3 billion worth of investment funds over there. He's a business plan maker for how to solve countries. And that's how they brought these countries into the Abraham Accords. He's given them a business plan for uh, you know, organizing their own countries, the, the member nation so far, and uh, set goals for them to achieve. Now, he's already uh, drawn up a business plan like that for Gaza. And it calls for the... Um, Hamas to be totally destroyed, killed, moved out, whatever, and for the local uh, Palestinians or, or Gaza people to form their own government, and they will have to have inspections by the World Court and by uh, you know Iran, whatever, uh, sorry, uh, by uh, Israel, and they will not be able to let terrorists be uh, members of the ruling parties of that country. And this business plan will be offered here very shortly when Israel stops the shooting and they want to reconstruct uh, uh, Palestine or the Gaza Strip. They estimate about $1 billion will be needed immediately to start rebuilding roads and, and, and uh, you know public utilities and things like that. So you're going to see this happen. And Jared Kushner and Mohammed bin Salman have got more than $300 billion in another fund, a uh, public fund in Saudi Arabia, towards building a global digital money system uh, like a... Um, uh, crypto, except it'll be a personal one. This is all in the makes right now, and this is in biblical prophecy as well. So, uh, you know, I, on my show images page, I link to those things. I tell you, um, you need to you need to look at that show images uh, slide thirteen, which is um, you know about various potential uh, candidates for the antichrist of this age, and in today's uh, show images page. I have a link on uh, number 47, slide 47, which is an interview with Jared Kushner, and he will explain what I was just telling you about how he's planning to organize a peace agreement in the entire Middle East with this business plan. And um, it's a, you know, it's a very comprehensive plan. And they're looking at uh, getting President Mohammed Abbas over in Palestine to agree with them. And uh, the Saudi uh, foreign minister to agree with them. All of them are, are working together. You can see it in these slides on that show, that show image page. Uh, it's just, it, it adds um, logic and organization to what is happening. It's not so chaotic that you would think. Behind the scenes, these things have been planned and are now coming to play. And we've known about this, Mohammed bin Salman, for probably three or four years now. And he's, while well, we've been asleep over here, not paying attention. They, he has formed a 40-nation anti-terrorist organization. And that 40 Arab nations, basically, are what they call terrorists are not what you and I call terrorists. What they call terrorists are those who act against Islam, i.e., the United States, Great Britain. We are the terrorists for that organization. And we have thought, because they used the word terrorists, that they were forming this harmless little 40-nation 
consortium. All right, at a break point with Stan Deo. We'll continue our conversation with him. I'm Jeremy Scott right after this. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott into the paranormal with Stan Deo tonight. Uh, geopolitical tensions, uh, to say that they are high is uh, an understatement and seemingly uh, only getting rockier every day. Uh, Stan, please continue your comments. What was the last thing I was talking about? Was I talking about these uh, the 40 Nation Consortium? Exactly. Okay. You can look this up on the Internet to, to get more details of this, but it's called the Islamic Military Counterterrorism Coalition, and you can find it on Wikipedia. Um, you can see how many nations. I mean, it's, it's these forty plus a few others standing in the in the uh, the wings, and they have uh, a guy that's that they've appointed as a uh, commander in chief of it, Rahil Sharif. He's a Pakistani, but this was organized by Mohammed bin Salman. Now he's got other things to do, but he's having this guy head up this military uh, organization. Is what it, it, it amounts to. They're called a military alliance. Um, and as I said, um, you've got to watch Mohammed bin Salman and Jared Kushner. These are the, the two princes, they call them in the media. Uh, they have a bromance uh, between these two guys as they're trying to solve the Middle East and solve the unsolvable problem that's been for thousands of years between the Israelis and the Arabs about land ownership. And uh, I've always said, and many people have studied the Middle East, that the man who can solve that is going to be a genius because you've got to get these two warring peoples, countries, nations, to agree to get along about who owns the property. And the original decree of property in the Bible to Israel by God through Abraham was from the Mediterranean all the way over to the Euphrates, not just to the Jordan. And so after this Psalm 83 war, there's going to be a conflict, and I think we're going to see Damascus and Syria hit with a nuke attack. Uh, they have 10 um, uh, missile storage silos around Damascus that the Iranians have put into Syria. We know where they are, and there are probably more, but these are where they were going to put missiles and nukes to drop down over the hill, basically, just a few miles over onto Israel and to Jerusalem in particular. So either the United States or Israel is going to nuke that whole area. And about a Mm, uh, about a 720 kiloton bomb would probably on Damascus would probably hit those 10 bases pretty much and destroy them. So the Bible says Damascus will be destroyed overnight and will become a ruinous heap uh, in the prophecies of that area. And I think this is going to be needed to stop the Iranian push into Israel. They're just too close at Damascus to launch a nuclear attack and for the facilities that Israel has to stop them in time. So they're going to have to take preemptive action. And, uh, and they've been doing that by bombing nuclear, um, you know, uh, centrifuges and preparations in Syria in, in around Damascus. But it's going to take hitting already made nuclear missiles, armed nuclear missiles. It's going to take a nuclear strike uh, to get rid of them. 
And so we're going to see that happen shortly, I think. And the Middle East is going to be in turmoil. The, the world will panic and saying, oh, goodness, Israel has used a nuke or America's used a nuke. That we're going to have World War III. So in that panic, there will be a call for a peace treaty between Israel and the surrounding Arab nations, spoken of by Daniel the prophet in the Bible. And the man who will be the leader of the, of the planet, the Antichrist of this age, will be a signatory to the covenant, to the treaty that Israel makes with the surrounding nations for peace. It'll be a temporary thing, but that's what's going to happen. And they're going to set up a seven-year suck-it-and-see type treaty to see if they can get along and, and make the world peaceful under this new alliance. These are things that you can look for in the press. Watch for the nuke on Damascus. Right, Watch for attacks. Sandeo telling us what to keep our eyes on, and we will continue down this road when we continue after the news break on many of our affiliates and Paranormal News coming up with George Henry as well. I'm Jeremy Scott, into the Paranormal. This is Paranormal News. 2024 is just underway, and right on cue, it's the first meteor shower of the year. The quadranted meteor shower is lighting up North America for the next few nights. It could send dozens of shooting stars per hour streaking across the sky and possibly create a fireball. The American Meteor Society says the quadrantids could be the strongest meteor shower of the year. The best time to see it in North America is between 1 and 5 in the morning away from city lights. The quadrantids are likely space dust from a comet discovered in 2003. George Henry, Paranormal News. There'll be more dark days to come for so many people who've lost everything. Nuclear pandemic, terrorism, asteroid, super volcano, tsunami, solar flare. I mean, there's a lot of things out there to, that, that, that you could be worried about. Just encourage people to take the steps that they need to do to, to prepare for any type of emergency. We have MREs stored down here. Got some guns in this one. They're going to they're gonna stand their ground. Nobody's going to be waltzing in and saying, I want what you got. It's not going to happen. What's really the truth? Into the paranormal. Separating fact from fiction. Certainly uh, the reasons are there. Why now is the question. Why are the elites acquiring these bunkers? I'm Jeremy Scott talking with Stan Deo tonight. Co-founder of EMP Shield, Standeo.com, S-T-A-N-D-E-Y-O.com. You can find out uh, a lot more information at that website. Uh, you know, you were giving us an idea, I guess, of, of what's really ahead. Anything else you wanted to uh, say on that front? Um, yes. Uh, along this warfare stuff, nuclear warfare, uh, particularly the United States, um, we have a free uh, website. Uh, it's you know, a lot of information on preparation for various things about you know, water, warfare, nuclear things, that kind of stuff. If you go to standale.com, which you talked about, up in the top left-hand corner, there's a link. It's a, a website called Free Prep. And in there, you can go to a, a, a 
subtitle nuclear on the left side of the page you see nuclear and at the very first thing we have a map that holly made the top u.s cities at risk for terrorism and this might be of great interest to you. if you click on it it's it's a map and uh, it shows you various degrees of the threat um you know um in that uh, that uh, graphic and uh, i she discusses it about the highest risk the medium risk and lower risk by color codes and I think it's worth looking at if you're thinking about going, relocating to a, a safer place, uh, you know, to avoid the crowds and the nuclear devices and stuff like that. On that page, there's just, uh, on that nuclear sub uh, uh, website, there are so many things about water, nuclear reactors, uh, and it's all free. Just download it. Uh, we've got so much stuff on our site. Uh, we forget sometimes what we've got there. It's um, It's like two or three gigabytes of, of data. It's huge. So it's all there for you to download. It's free. So go do it now so you can start preparing like uh, Jeremy and I have been talking about. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there was a day and age when we, when we you know, hawked all of this survival stuff and people laughed at us, and now people are actually buying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well... I don't know how many of our neighbors have finally done it. We've had dinner parties with them and whatever over the years. And I remember about 10 years ago, we were at a dinner party with some of our neighbors. And one of them said, hey, you know, I dare to prepare a book. Your wife's got, um, you know, a lot of good stuff in it, preparation, but uh, I'm not worried about it. Uh, I'm not going to prepare. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, look, I know you, you got that stuff over there. We'll just come over and trade with you and get some of it from you. <laughs> And I said, you know, I'd hate to shoot a neighbor. And he said, oh, oh. <laughs> so, I mean, I wouldn't do that. But, I mean, this is how silly it is. I mean, they even know that we're preparing. But rather than do that instead of going on vacation and, you know, sailing their yachts and whatever, they come over and tell us, well, we'll get what you've got. You'll, you'll share it with us. Yeah, that only <sighs> goes so far. It, it does. We we put away food for our neighbors and friends and family, uh, in addition to our personal supplies. But uh, there's no point in advertising that to to our neighbors. No. They just don't pay no. attention. No. Uh, yeah. Give us give us an idea, really, what some of the aftermath of these events would would look like. And I guess let's start with the EMP, since of course you work with EMP Shield, the founded. Uh, co-founded the, the the company great device that will you explained it earlier and of course we've been telling folks about it for a couple of years now uh but in the aftermath of of an emp event uh say you didn't prepare for it you you didn't have the protection from this event uh and now it's oh crap i gotta deal with it well what's that gonna look like well uh, the emp strike can be caused by, by nuclear stuff by a bomb detonated 240 miles above the center of the United States. And the effective radius goes all the way to both coast and into Canada, you know, and part of North, part of Mexico. That one blast in that millionth of a second can de just destroy all the computers and circuits that are necessary for distributing power to the United States, um, which is why, of course, We've been uh, encouraging and helping various departments and governments and companies to protect their power production. So imagine what happens. The power goes out in an instant. You might be at home. You might be at work. You might be on vacation. Your car doesn't work anymore. Your house 
doesn't have power anymore, no, no lights, no security systems. Um, that's, that's the immediate notice that you get. And if you go to that website, that, we, that free website on uh, nuclear war survival that we've got on our, uh, you know, the, the nuclear prep stuff, the, the free prep, you'll see a section of electro, electromagnetic pulse and what things will happen to you. There are reports on uh, you know, by uh, politicians and, and, and physicists telling you what will happen to our infrastructure. And the first thing, of course, as I said, is the power. But another thing that people aren't aware of, there's a, a device called a SCADA, S-C-A-D-A device, that's put in all the neighborhoods in the United States for controlling either gas, natural gas pressure distribution, uh, controlling uh, power uh, distributed to your house from the power company. Uh, these are, are run by computers, and they try to balance the pressure, say, for, for natural gas. They balance the pressure to going to the houses in their neighborhood. So if all of a sudden the pressure starts to rise, they'll reduce the pressure by controlling valves and whatever so that you don't overpressure natural gas to your house. Why is this important? We've already seen what happens when, the, when these scatters don't work. Over the New, New England states, you've seen several houses uh, together catch fire, explode from gas explosion because their scatter failed. These scatters are run on circuits that are killed by the EMP pulse. So you can expect massive explosions and fires for people in natural gas all over the country at once. And that will spread to houses, to fields, to businesses. We're going to see a breakout of fires. And where's the fire department? Well, they don't have electricity either. And maybe their fire trucks don't work because they've been shorted out by the MP pulse. These are immediate things to consider. It gets worse from their own because roaming, roaming gangs will form to try to get food and shelter. You know, medicine, that's another thing. If you need medicine, you better get ahead several months if you can from your pharmacy or whatever because our medicines are going to dry up. And, uh, you know, I'm an old guy, and so I depend on certain medicines too, and we've done that. We've uh, gone down to Walmart and uh, Safeway where we get our stuff and, you know, got our doctors to cooperate so we can have several months ahead for the key medication because after that, well, we're party pretty much RS anyway. But um, that's another thing. Medicine, food, shelter, water, power. Everything runs on energy, on power. Everything. The whole universe does. And um, you can't get fresh water and, and distill it without power, either from the sun or from whatever electricity source you've got. It's going to be it's going to be just absolutely crazy. And if you go to our website over at EMPShield.com, uh, on that uh, website, we've uh, put in various pieces of information for you to read um, about, uh, you know, what happens. Uh, let me just see if I can hear... Um, yeah, okay. There's a learn more uh, drop-down menu on that, and it's called EMP Library. You go to that, and it has all kinds of papers and stuff that tell you about the, the what happens and how to prepare for it and what we're doing to help people do it. There's a number of papers and books there. You should do it. You should read it, and it'll help you to plan your own situation. Uh, we've helped many people through the, the MP Shield. Um, you know, they call us. We give them advice on their farm or home or cars or whatever, and various ways to protect themselves uh, from losing power entirely. Um, the MP Shield will keep your devices protected from the pulse, but it won't supply energy to you. So you're going to need to to look at another supply of energy from solar, from wind. Um, you know, from Something you you crank up. I don't know what what uh, you might have in your neighborhood, but uh, 
Well, Tim and I have done the best we can. It's uh, It's been a labor of love, and we're at the point now where we're wondering whether we've made enough preparation through the government to the various places that we've been designing this stuff for, whether we have time left to do all the rest. Yeah, as well. Uh, solar flares obviously uh, pose a threat as well to this uh, this whole equation. Uh, and speaking of that, we just had the biggest one of the current solar cycle uh, spout off uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what's going to happen with that uh, as it ramps up towards solar minimum? Well, uh, is maximum. it solar maximum, maximum, solar maximum. at the moment? Um, right now I'm watching it every day. I put it up on my show images page because it's, um, it's acting up. And, um, today I put up on my show images page, some of the pictures of an area where that X, uh, I think it was 5.5 flare came from. You're talking about, I think we're going to have a lot more of them. Something very unusual is happening to the surface of the sun over this solar cycle. It's getting thinner and these ropes of magnetic fields are twisting. And the one that caused that X5.5 uh, you're talking about is in the top left of uh, a picture in slide 38 that I've gotten there from the 4th of January. And the magnetic fields of the sunspot are not vertical like they should be there in the north or southern hemisphere of the sun. They are twisted at right angles to it. And that's showing a horrible instability of the magnetic fields controlling all this plasma up there that's going to generate another a uh, few X-class flares, and they tell you that on spaceweather.com. It, it, they, they suspect there are going to be more, and I think within the next four, five, six days, we're going to see another X-flare, if not more, come from that area. And it's going to get worse all the way up until the midpoint uh, a couple of years from now, and then it'll start to you know change as, as the solar sunspot cycle starts to diminish, going toward its minimum. And I think what we're looking at now, starting now and for the next seven years, is increased activity in the sun to the point that we may even see a, a flash, um, well, a flash from the sun where it blows off an outer layer of its chromosphere, and uh, it'll send a cloud of dust, high high uh, speed dust through the solar system. We've seen something like this happen in the Monoceros cluster, and it took several months for it to reach all of its planets. But it does happen. It doesn't have to go red giant. It can throw this cloud of dust of uh, as it. It changes its nuclear fuel chemistry to go to a, a fusion reaction entirely instead of a fission reaction. Anyway, it's, that's a mouthful of stuff. But, yes, I think we're going to see more X-class flares, and we're going to possibly see MP pulses that are going to hurt us. So perhaps the cycle is then shorter than 11 years, which is the thought now. Uh, it seems like maybe it's around the seven-year mark from... No, I'm just saying... No, I'm just saying in this cycle of seven years forward from now, we're going to see a lot of changes in that 11-and-a-half-year cycle. The The average cycle is 11-and-a-half years. Okay. Um, but this cycle, yeah, this cycle's been 62% more violent than NASA and NOAA predicted. And why do you think it, that is the case? I think because our sun is, is becoming unstable. In the 1960s, the Russians published a paper our sun has burned up over half of its hydrogen fuel. And uh, as it gets you know, less fuel, the, the chemical reaction or the fusion reaction changes. And so in this phase state change, it's going to um, throw a, a bunch of the surface out. It's going to discard it. Other stars have done this. 
Um, it's not going to go red giant, but it's, it's definitely going to throw something out into our solar system, and we're going to feel it impacting, uh, you know, all the planets, and it's going to change the light from the sun and change the color of it reaching us. Uh, it'll change the, the frequency of the ultraviolet we can see from the sun. In fact, it's already done that in 1992, I think it was. Two new frequencies came from the sun. We can see these changes happening, and we don't know how to predict it because we don't know the, how the chemistry works in there. So is, are we at risk of the sun burning itself up or, or what? No, we're in, at risk of it throwing off a, a, a shell, a thin shell of its surface, out in, through the solar system, uh, creating this dust that takes several months to pass through the system. And it's going to be bright. When it happens, it will be a flash, and we could see that a, the, a third of the Earth's surface that's facing the sun at that moment will be cooked with uh, intense radiation and light, you know, light radiation about seven times brighter than what we get now. And so it'll fry that portion of the planet, boil the seas, burn the grass, everything. And then the sun will calm down and change its, its, uh, the, the frequency of light we're seeing from it. All right. That's uh, what's ahead with Stan Deo. And we'll continue our conversation with him. Bunker down the rabbit hole tonight with us somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Talking with Stan Deo tonight. Fascinating a conversation we've had so far. He's co-founder of EMP Shield. You go to paranormalradio.com slash EMP to save yourself $50. Uh, I don't get paid unless you buy it. And then standeo.com is the website where you can get a wealth of information on these subjects that we've talked about tonight. I want to know about two things, Planet X and a pole shift. And uh, and then I will give you the rest of the, the time that we have, which is only a couple of minutes, uh, Stan. How uh, much of a threat are both of those? Planet X, um, I have not seen proof that it exists, but that doesn't mean it doesn't. I've used uh, the formulas to calculate its orbit. If it is indeed a a 3,600-year orbit, then it should have already been into our inner planets, and I haven't seen any reports of it. However, if it is a a dark star, a, a, a twin to our our star but a but it's in the infrared range and not uh, in the same output range that our sun is it would have to be already in our inner planets and and, and causing the orbits to to change there is something out there though um it's something that's been pressing on the orbits of uranus neptune and a little bit on jupiter certainly on pluto uh, it's a massive thing and it's uh, it might have an infrared or heat signature so you need a heat telescope, an infrared telescope, to actually find it. Now, have they found it? It's a big area out there to search. Um, if it has been found officially, they haven't announced it. So, um, you know, I, I put that kind of in the, I'm not too sure that it's going to come into the inner plans. It is something out there. So there is a, a, a massive a dead star, uh, companion star to our sun, or a, a large planet. We can calculate its mass approximately by knowing the the 
compressed orbits of Uranus, Neptune, and uh, Pluto, a little bit on Jupiter. But anyway, yeah, okay. And so what was the other question you were asking about uh, Planet X? Uh, a pole shift. Okay, the pole shift is, a uh, magnetic pole shift is very likely. The Earth's crust is a very thin crust, and it sits on a, 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 a thin shell of a soft rock, which is like a ball bearing. And when an asteroid uh, 15 miles in diameter and running in at an altitude, angle of maybe 30, 40 degrees, when it hits our planet, cause that, that surface uh, to, you know, the, the, the crust to shift. Not the whole planet, just that thin shell. And this has happened a couple of times from large asteroid impacts. So the North and South Pole visually would change. And uh, that would take a large impact by a large asteroid. The Chinese and the Egyptians have recorded in the past where the sun rose for a while in the west from one of these impacts. It might be several years that it happened. What is more important is that the magnetic poles north and south of our planet are changing. They are in a cycle of weakening, and they're going to go down to an almost zero point, which will get rid of all of our magnetic protection from gamma radiation, deep space radiation, and from you know from the sun. We'll have ultraviolet penetration, which will make it very difficult to walk over the surface of the Earth without heavy clothing on. There are three sets of north-south poles inside our planet in the, in the uh, molten core. Three sets of north-south poles. And these are in conflict about you know which one is dominating the predominant north and south magnetic pole. It's been heading, our, our, our northern north pole magnetic pole has been heading towards Siberia uh about 35 miles a year and it's going to where it was originally before we toppled i think and that 23 and a half degree tilt we have on the sun uh, oh, sorry on the planet toward the sun uh yes we are having to change magnetic bearings on runways in florida and various other uh, small airports because the shift of the north magnetic pole has been drastic enough that we have to do that for uh you know a safe flight an aircraft um it, this this shift is coming. I mean, we're as I say, the magnetic field strength of the planet is diminishing, and then it will turn around and grow back up. But it's in a cycle where it's diminishing, and that's not going to be good for a number of reasons. Stan, all the time we have tonight, again, your website where folks can uh, get more information about your work is what? Stan, uh, S-T-A-N-D-E-Y-O.com, and there are links to prodigious amounts of information there. Um, and uh, we have books that you can see there as well. Uh, but go to the website, read about everything we got on the main page, and then go to the sub-websites to see how you can prepare yourself for what is coming. Yeah, there's a first time for everything, and this was a first for us. Stan, good to have you on the program. Thank you, Jeremy. Good to be here. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, good night and God bless. Until next week, folks.